Hello everyone. Welcome to Matthew's Minute. I'm your host, Matthew. Obviously, right? Um, I just wanted to talk about a specific topic that I feel like is kind of like there's there's like misconceptions about it or it's not really fully understood on the on the left, on the US left. Particularly as I say, you know, the Western left, there's all these kind of misconceptions about socialism and how, as I've mentioned Michael Parenti before, and kind of, he talks about, or he's written about left anti-communism. So it's this notion of like authoritarianism, and it's, you'll often hear, you know, if you read Western, mainstream Western media, you know, corporate news media, when you hear socialist countries discussed, especially, you know, Cuba, Venezuela, and so forth, uh, back during the Soviet Union, it was, you know, Cold War propaganda, kind of McCarthyism, and that sort of thing. But you'll always hear this term authoritarian. So I just wanted to talk about, basically, kind of what this claim consists of, and how there's not a lot of context or analysis surrounding it. So one example I thought of is, so I went to Cuba, you know, I went, had a little vacation for a week, less than a week, uh, in 2019, uh, and so at, at one point I went to the Museo de la Revolución, you know, the, the Museum of the Revolution showing, you know, all these kind of really cool artifacts and you know, uniforms, things like that, of the guerrillas. Um, there was different, you know, there was like Fidel Castro's glasses from like the 1950s. There's like, um, you know, all these really cool things. But like one of the things I noticed was there was an exhibit of the really cruel, sadistic, like torture instruments that the previous dictatorship used. So it was like you know, the Fulgencio Batista dictatorship, which was uh, in power prior to the success of the Cuban Revolution of 1959. Um, so a lot of people are, are kind of familiar with Batista was like kind of this uh, American puppet, like, like the U.S. had controlled a lot of land in Cuba, um, a lot of the sugar kind of industry and I think I think the United Fruit Company was was involved in a lot of it, but yeah, it was like a just this really ruthless. It turned into like a ruthless kind of capitalist dictatorship where there was a lot of um, really sadistic torture methods, and like I think approximately forty thousand Cubans were killed by the Batista regime. Um, so when I was at Museo de la Revolución, uh, I got to see all of these. Kind of torture instruments it was really kind of horrifying um they had like photographs and stuff um and this was like to torture dissidents and pretty much you know anybody on a whim that the that the regime was was targeting um people who were sympathetic to the revolution or whatever the case was so after the revolution succeeded in 1959 it was actually january 1st um shortly shortly thereafter there were like these tribunals, right? Because, um, you know, you have to, <laughs> you can't just have these sadistic mass murderers, like, just like walking around. I mean, this is really redundant, right? Like, so they had these trials, like these tribunals for, uh, 
these war criminals and torturers, and you know many of them were executed after evidence was presented against them. Now, if you if you listen to like Western commentary on something like this, they'll basically just call it like a, a barbaric authoritarian dictatorship because these people were like sentenced to death for war crimes. I mean, it's not only like bad faith, but it's also like hypocritical because the U.S. supports that kind of shit all the time and on a much larger scale. I mean, if you read like um, just various books about kind of the CIA and like what they've done over the years, um, there's like the Jakarta Method by Vincent Bevins is one that I read recently that's kind of like about the um, decades of sort of anti-communist mass murder that the U.S. engaged in, kind of focusing on uh, Indonesia in the 60s, in 1965 and 66 primarily. But like, I'm getting off topic here, but the point is like, you know, bringing these war criminals to justice, like even if you don't agree with the death penalty, if you think, okay, maybe they should have just been imprisoned or whatever, like you can't just let war criminals like hang out and I don't know, walk around, like what are you supposed to do? I mean, it's not ideal, like, I'm not saying violence is good or anything, but that's kind of the, the context of some of these things that happen after revolutions and, and the ongoing struggle, like, in the post-revolutionary years. These things are called just authoritarianism, like, there's not, in the West, what I've noticed is there's not, not really, like, a an analysis of the conditions or, like, even the events themselves, and there's so many examples of this. And also, just to be clear, I'm not saying that, you know, there's no excesses ever. There are excesses. Um, nothing is perfect, no response is perfect, you know, no revolution is perfect. But you have to understand, like, the purpose for these um, events and these, like, sort of policies. And it's often, I've kind of written about this before, but it's like a response to the backlash after revolutions, you kind of have to just like take care of that by any means necessary. Otherwise, you're not going to have a revolution. You're going to have just going back to a reactionary capitalist dictatorship or something worse, whatever it, it might be, like feudalism in some cases. If, you know, if the Russian revolution had failed, it probably would have gone, gone back to semi-feudalism, you know, the czarism. Um, so... I mean, there's a lot of examples of these I could... There's a, there's one I just thought of, which was, like, how Venezuela is constantly demonized and, like, Maduro is seen as this <laughs> evil dictator, of course, even though he won two elections, like, um, like, two democratic elections. There's not really any question that he received the majority of the votes or, you know... Um, I don't have to get into all this, but... So there's some charges of, like... Oh, he he persecutes poli the political opposition, but then when you look at like the the details of it, it's like the right wing like popular will party party which tried to overthrow the democratically elected government under Hugo Chavez in two thousand two with with the backing of the United States, of course, to try to reintroduce sort of a neoliberal dictatorship. Um, but like you know, maybe you shouldn't persecute the political opposition even if they're trying to overthrow you. I don't know. But you have to think of, like, the context of it. And then there's one, like, there's this guy, Leopoldo Lopez, who's, like, this right-wing kind of, like, oligarchic figure in Venezuela. 
and he was under house arrest for a while. He broke out during the the recent coup attempt, and like, I mean, if anything, the Venezuelan government is like not authoritarian enough because they just like let him break out of prison or out of house arrest and help with the the latest one of the latest coup attempts. But sorry, I'm getting off topic. But like, he was under house arrest because he literally incited like the murder of like over i think around two dozen people in one of these guarimbas which is these uh very violent kind of street protests staged by like the right wing uh you know like basically terrorists of of the right wing venezuelan political uh opposition so like you know i don't content warning maybe i should have said that before but there's you know people getting uh, burned to death, set on fire, like lynched, you know, decapitated, things like that. So like, you know, <laughs> people don't know about that and they don't analyze it and they're just like, oh, he's authoritarian because he, he put this opposition figure under house arrest and they don't like, I'm talking about the Western left and like the Western media. And like one of the, there's some really weird examples where it's like, you know, China, obviously not perfect. We don't have to get into China, but like there's a lot of anti-China propaganda right now. I'll probably talk about that eventually, but I mean, people are even saying, especially the Western press and then like leftists kind of regurgitate it. Not all leftists, but um, that even like the the eradication of extreme poverty, which China recently accomplished, there's like people saying that's authoritarian. And then there's people saying that like the, the COVID lockdowns were authoritarian. It's like are you even thinking about the purposes of any of these things or are you just like you know uh, so I just wanted to kind of get this off my chest and you know there's actually the weird thing about this is that in like 1874 Friedrich Engels he wrote this really short uh little essay thing called On Authority and he just he kind of talks about like the necessity and in addition to what I'm talking about with like the post-revolutionary kind of like the counter-revolution of the bourgeoisie or like bringing war criminals to justice and things like that these things that are just like arbitrarily labeled labeled authoritarian when like literally what the fuck are you supposed to do um to preserve the revolution and, and, and so forth but so like Engels already kind of addressed this um, so I just wanted to read like a little, kind of towards the end of this little essay by Engels. So Engels says, you know, he's talking about anti-people who are opposing authoritarianism, this notion of authoritarianism when it comes to revolutions, when it comes to building socialism. Um, he says, they demand that the first act of the social revolution shall be the abolition of authority. Have these gentlemen ever seen a revolution? A revolution is certainly the most authoritarian thing there is. It is the act whereby one part of the population imposes its will upon the other part by means of rifles, bayonets, and cannon. Authoritarian means, if such there be at all. And if the victorious party does not want to have fought in vain, it must maintain this rule by means of the terror which its arms inspire in the reactionists. Would the Paris Commune have lasted a single day if it had not made use of this authority of the armed people against the bourgeoisie? So yeah, that's that's like um, towards the end of like I said this 
really short essay that I'd highly recommend everybody reading if you're interested in this topic, and um, you can find it on marxist.org. Um, otherwise, I definitely have a link to it in my link tree, which is you can access it if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram. It's the link in my bio. There's tons of stuff, tons of resources there. But I kind of just wanted to wrap up with like, you know, what is, what are some of the components of like what Engels is talking about here? And I think I would, I would characterize it as like, these are like the harsh realities of class conflict and class warfare. So, you know, if, if you think about it that way, that's, I, th I believe that's the correct context for this, regardless of which kind of socialist or communist movement you're talking about. And like I said before, you know, unfortunately there are things, you know, excesses sometimes, but overwhelmingly when you look into the details, you know, the, the examples I mentioned, for instance, um, you know, if like the U.S., like a capitalist country, the authoritarian stuff that they do, you know, <laughs> this is like the main point is like, you have to consider whose class interests are being served with these measures. So in the U.S., it's like, you know, the mass incarceration of of people of color, essentially. This is really just kind of an extension of, of colonialism, of, of, of white supremacy. Um, it's serving the capitalist class, you know. It's not like... That's why, it's, that's why you can't really compare, like, socialist, quote-unquote, authoritarian... <laughs> actions to capitalist ones but yeah if you think about just like anything especially like you know <laughs> the mass um detainment of of refugees at the border in concentration camps like that's authoritarian but it's it's serving you know colonialism it's serving capitalism so just really keep that perspective in mind when people try to kind of equate um <laughs> you know, global South countries, especially the socialist ones with, with the West and say like, oh, they're just as bad because they're doing, <laughs> like they're doing things, like their government is doing things. Um, so you can, you can, yeah, you can kind of, this is, this is kind of another point is that this term authoritarian, it kind of, it can kind of be so vague that it's almost meaningless. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's all I wanted to say is really just have a more kind of nuanced perspective on this, um, especially in, and look into what the sources are for the these claims of authoritarianism and especially the interests behind these sources, because the other thing is they serve the interests of imperialism usually, if you're ex accusing a global south country, especially a socialist country of authoritarianism, that's going to turn public opinion usually and that's there's countless examples of that but obviously i don't have time to get into that topic but um yeah that's all i wanted to say today folks um thanks for listening uh we're gonna try to get more content out i'll have you know my co-host and sister hannah back on here soon for another episode but yeah i hope y'all comrades uh are surviving out there you know band together as Hannah and I always say at the end of our episodes, you know, do your push-ups. Uh, you know, a fascist worked out today, you should too. Drink enough water. All the random advice we give. Uh, read theory. You know, engage in mutual aid. 
self-care, like fucking do what you gotta do to get by, watch movies. I've been re-watching a bunch of movies lately, just fucking laying around, taking baths and shit. So do what you gotta do, comrades. Um, yeah, I'll see you next time. Take care.